0: Good morning, everybody. This is the Marcus Today Members Podcast on Wednesday, 28th February, and we have one more day to go and the results season is over. Thank goodness we are in the tail end, but there are a few results today. We've had stocks, we hold Wallys down 1% on their results. Next DC, which of course is data centers. Results actually came out last night, but up 9.2%. Hoorah. There's a win and perpetual down 3% on their results. We hold it in the income portfolio it's been trending down results don't impress even if it's just an income stock we really need a bottom left to top right chart over the long term we don't have it here i think we will when we do our revamp post all the dividends when we do our revamp we'll probably be booting perpetual along with sonic healthcare that also disappointed on results this results season so we do have our not so much a restructure we do have our rejig of the income portfolio Coming up, we just thought we'd let all the dividends go through first. Speaking of dividends, quite a few stocks ex dividend today, as I'm sure you know. FMG Fortescue ex dividend one hundred and eight cents, fully franked. It's only fallen sixty nine cents. BHP and Rio looking a little bit better today on the back of the iron ore price up one point seven percent. BHP up half percent, Rio up one point two percent. Fortescue Metals down two and a half percent, thanks to it going ex dividend. Telstra also ex dividend today nine cents. Share price down 7 cents, so doing okay. 100% frank. Woolworths as well, X 47 cents, and the share price down 66 cents. Woolworths, of course had results on 21st of February, fell 6.6%, is down 9.3% since the results, and has taken the departure of the CEO rather poorly. And today, they have announced that they are dropping prices on 400 items by 18%, something like that, which doesn't read particularly well, either giving in to political pressure. Other stocks ex-dividend today, TLC, BPT, EVT, OML, and a bunch of Atay, of smaller ones as well. Ex-dividend tomorrow, PME, which we hold. MPL, Medibank, which we hold. And again, a tail of smallies. And then on Friday, we've got ex-dividend, Sonic Healthcare, which we hold. And I think you am not holding. ASX as well. Mineral Resources, ALD, Clean Away, AMP. All ex-dividend on Friday. Results tomorrow, got Ramsey Healthcare. Main ones, not too many others. Atlas, Alteria, Caroon, Platinum Asset Management, and then we will be done. We have had a inflation number out this morning at 11.30 just come out. The market was up 19 at one point today. It sort of lost around 10 points after the CPI number. Now down 12 points. CPI up 3.4% year-on-year in January. Consensus was 3.6%. And that compares to December up 3.4% as well. Next RBA meeting, March 19. And after a weaker-than-expected unemployment number a couple of weeks ago, the expectations of a rate cut moved in from December to August. They're sort of moving out again at the moment. The RBA have made it very clear that they still view inflation as being elevated, that the drop in inflation that's been seen in the US is not going to be as simple in Australia. Inflation's a bit more sticky, so prudence suggests that the RBA are going to sit pat. For as long as possible, absolutely no reason to drop rates before they need to. I'm not sure this inflation number changes things much. If anything, it would be a little bit dovish. Whilst we're on central banks, the Reserve Bank of New Zealand just left rates on hold at 5.5%, as expected. But they too, and we sort of follow each other around, they too are hawkish, saying inflation is still above target. Coming out in the US tonight is the fourth quarter. A PCE price index. Then on, I had this wrong in the calendar, got it right now. But on Thursday night, so Friday morning, our time, they have PCE price index numbers. For January, the monthly number, which is the more watched number. Next Fed meeting is on 20th of March. 97.5% chance they will leave rates unchanged. There's a 21.2% chance of a cut in May. And there is a 60.5% chance of a cut in June. Those odds haven't changed much. See if the CPI number makes a difference. Sorry, the PCE price index number makes a difference over the next couple of days. Strategy portfolio still fully invested. That is unchanged. The US market is holding up remarkably well post the results season. The feeling was that the US market would flop after results season on the basis that there is no new news flow to keep it going. But it looks like the NVIDIA results have fed the big tech, tech optimism and stuck a foundation brick in under the Nasdaq, which holds up. Not coming down. I've got a chart of the NASDAQ in my section, a weekly chart. And an index is not a very volatile thing, especially when it's got 3,000 stocks in it. And the NASDAQ is rarely overbought on a weekly chart. Twice in the last two years, it's been overbought. And last time it was overbought was in the middle of last year, at which point it then fell over. So we are overbought again at the moment. And I've marked on the chart every time it's been overbought over the last five years, and every time it's had a bit of a fall over. So we're overbought at the moment. You don't sell just because things are overbought. You wait for other people to wake up to that and start selling. So you just prepare to pull the trigger without pulling it. Get a little bit more alert. So overbought on the NASDAQ. It's been a fabulous results season for big tech, particularly with Nvidia icing the cake. But again, what is the news flow from here? Don't know. The other thing it does highlight as the NASDAQ gets overbought is Just how dull the Australian market is. It's had a bit of a rally since November the first, largely driven by a rise in the iron ore price, which has now reversed, and by the bank sector doing particularly well since the first of November when global interest rate thinking changed. Everybody assumed the peak on interest rates was already in and the market started going up again. So our bank sector is now left at the top of the trading range on some of the highest PEs they've seen in history. They've gone dividend, there's three months till the next dividends in the sector, you really wonder what is holding the bank sector up there at the moment. Again, you wouldn't be selling just because things are overbought. But if you have a look at the chart of the bank sector on a weekly basis and look at the RSI, it has not been this overbought in years. We haven't sold. We've got huge holdings in the CBA in both our income and growth portfolios. We haven't sold them yet. There's no reason to. The share prices are holding up. But banks looking vulnerable, you wouldn't be telling anybody to buy them at the these prices. Meanwhile, our other big sector resources is going backwards, having peaked almost on January the 1st when the iron ore price peaked. So what is the attraction of Australia? We actually thought about selling our ASX200 ETF code A200 in the strategy portfolio, just to make the point that Australia is not sexy at these prices with the bank sector on its peaks and the resources sector going down. And the only game in town is big tech. And we've already... Already got plenty of exposure to that through the ETFs we hold in the strategy portfolio, including FANG, HNDQ, IHVV. We haven't sold our 18% holding in the ASX200, but you can see what we're getting at. Much more likely to make money overseas rather than in the Australian market at the moment. I would just remind you of one of my long standing quotes It is only when things go wrong that you suddenly realize how fantastic normal is in the stock market. You Probably think the stock market is normal at the moment. I will tell you it's pretty fantastic at the moment after this rally over the last three and a bit months. Right, we're writing up results on Wally's next DC. If we don't do that today, we'll do it tomorrow after the research is in. Paladin we hold in the growth portfolio is bouncing nicely after results. It fell over from a dollar forty six, got down to a dollar. I've written a dollar there, got down to a dollar ten, it's now bounced to a dollar twenty-three. So uranium coming back, bit of a buying opportunity if you're Long term disciple. You can't be a long term disciple. There is no such, there is no room for religion in the stock market. And you and I don't know the uranium price in the long term, but suffice it to say, we still hold Paladin. And despite what Andrew Forrest says cynically about nuclear it suits his book to talk that way although he's getting a lot of headlines being anti-nuclear at the moment. Altium had results yesterday. They've been bid for in the greed bid at $68.50 so the results don't really matter. Wise Tech up another 7% today. There are broker upgrades apparently says one newswire but I can't find which broker's upgraded. It's a bit of a difficult stock this one. Have a read of the paragraph I've written. Despite the fact it's on a P of 126 it's It's one of those companies that does a bit of accounting. It's got a lot of depreciation, amortization, interest costs, which... Mute the earnings numbers. That leave it like an infrastructure stock. It leaves it on a very high PE. They look awful if you were a value investor, 78%, 79% above intrinsic value, yield of 0.2%. Of but share price is going up. Brokers love it. Again, I think we're a little overhyped on the share price at the moment. But if you read some of the research about what WiseTech is doing, how its software is getting entrenched in the back end of big customers being adopted by large operators and they have a future that is expected to deliver 25% compound growth for the next three years on the back of new products, new customers, as well as their existing contracts. Margins they upped at their or upped their guidance at their recent results to 44 to 46 percent results beat expectations by around 12 percent they're the 20th biggest stock in the market on a P of 126 and they're overbought wouldn't be buying it today but we're certainly not selling it until anyone else until everyone else does one broker says long-term leading indicators appear very strong so jam tomorrow in the income portfolio Woolworth's ex-dividend today Telstra ex-dividend today probably going to be selling perpetual and sonic healthcare after they go ex-dividend Woolworth's a bit disappointing, but we're holding on after results. Coles is up 5.9% since its results yesterday. Morgans, Macquarie, Citigroup, on their, in their research today, have all got buy recommendations. Target prices 10%, 5%, and 11% above the current share price. UBS has got a neutral target price in line with the current share price. Morgan Stanley, neutral as well. Target price 3% below. Nordmanet have a sell recommendation. Target price 12% below the current share price. That's despite upping their target price from $14.50 to $15. They've got a dividend coming up. We hold it in income, still holding it. Did I mention we hold in the growth portfolio, Wally's results Today up 0.8% now and next DC I did mention up 8.8%. Steadfast Group had results, were they last night, down 3%. Urine Pharmaceuticals down 11.8%. Paladin now up 5.9% by the way. Bit of form in Lithium. We, or Oliver was pestering me to buy Pilbara Minerals a couple of days ago. Should have done. They're up 7% today. IGO's up 5.6% today. Lion Town up 8% today. I find it a very tough sector to buy unless the lithium price is going up there is no material sign of that happening at the moment Flight Center down 8% on results today and Light and Wonder Gaming Technology up 5.0% today on the back of results Okay, quick question what have been the best and worst results so far this season? of the bigger companies Levisa up 27% on results this is a stock of course that's quite heavily shorted Temple and Webster up 24.4%. Macmillan Shakespeare, which we hold, up 24%. Adairs up 24%. Nick Scarly up 20%. Aussie Broadband, 18%. WiseTech Global up 18%. Another stock we hold. Worst performing stocks, DGL Group down 37%. Don't hold those. Corporate Travel down 21%. Seven West Media down 21%. Baby Bunting, 19%. MA Financial written up positively on Livewire today down 18% and data three down 18%. We hold that one. I'll do a roundup of results at some point. On the education front, let me answer a question. I have been emailed by Stephen. I've run through RSI's relative strength index. On a weekly and daily basis, which rather cutely identifies when a stock has been overbought or oversold. This is just a customary word, oversold or overbought, to suggest the RSI is either above 70 or below 30. And it's customary to suggest that if the RSI drops from over 70 to below 70, it's a sell signal. If it rises from below 30 to above 30, it's a buy signal. The question is whether RSI is as relevant to an index-based ETF as it is to individual stocks. If you consider that an index ETF, a passive index ETF, so A200 or NDQ, which covers the ASX 200, or the NASDAQ or IVV covers the S&P 500. By the way, I far prefer passive ETFs to active ETFs where there's a human involved or a human interfering in an algorithm. So an index-based ETF, passive ETF, is an rsi relevant or not? I think it is. And even though an index, say the NASDAQ, depends which NASDAQ it is, but say the ASX 200, to make it easy, represents 200 stocks. Can you really look at an RSI on a group of 200 stocks the same way you can look at it for one stock? Well, I think you can because a lot of technical indicators are much like a PE. They tell you where a stock is relative to history. And any stock or any index through the RSI, we'll have moments of... Enthusiasm and moments where everybody hates it, and whether it's one stock or a market as a whole, it is still a useful indicator that everybody is either overexcited or completely disinterested. So whilst an individual stock is very likely to be more volatile than an index, almost certainly by definition is going to be more volatile, it's still interesting to look at RSI. So the NASDAQ at the moment, as I mentioned earlier, is overbought on RSI on a weekly chart. Weekly charts are slower moving, the indicators move to lower extremes. And to have the NASDAQ overbought on RSI on a weekly chart is a rarity. And that's a useful observation. It's not necessarily an instruction that you sell, but it's certainly a useful observation. And it's the same with individual stocks. Individual stocks are likely to see more moments of being overbought and oversold because they tend to be more volatile. They tend to be more more periods of enthusiasm and disinterest than there will be in a whole index. A whole index is going to be a lot smoother. So with the NASDAQ overbought at the moment on a weekly chart, you'd say to yourself, well, that's, that's a useful bit of information because that tells me I'm a bit vulnerable if I'm buying it now or if I'm holding it. I need to be realizing that the momentum of the index is moving really rather fast. In other words, the herd is in a bit of a stampede and it's a fairly rare occasion, in which case it is more likely to end rather than endlessly perpetuate. So, whilst it's not necessarily a sell signal, it does tell you turn your screens on a bit earlier in the morning. Sit on the edge of your seat. Don't turn up at midday and have a look. Turn up a bit earlier because things are a little bit more vulnerable at the tops and bottoms. And I think that applies whether it is an index or whether that is an individual stock. In fact, on an index, an overbought or oversold situation is far more interesting. Or in the case of the SX200, perhaps 200 times more interesting than when an individual stock gets overbought or oversold. So yes, I do think it is useful. But the difference is, if you were to be looking at a market as a whole, whereas a stock can quite precipitously change direction, a market rarely changes direction rapidly, in which case you've got more time, you should sweat less about an overbought market than you should an overbought stock, you should take less notice of of a market that goes from overbought to oversold, much more notice of a more volatile individual stock that goes from overbought to oversold or oversold to overbought. So just as interesting, if not more interesting, to see a buy or sell signal on an ETF, which is the same as seeing a buy or sell signal on the index itself, because an ASX 200 index represents a much, much bigger herd than the herd that is behind one share price. So only the shareholders and followers herd behind one stock, whereas everybody is herded behind an index. So it is more telling of the general market mood rather than an individual stock and the insights on that particular stock, that sort of exchange explains a bit of a rubbery answer, but Stephen, that would be my response to should we look at RSIs on index-based ETFs. I think yes, there is less action on an index-based ETF, but if there is a signal, it probably means more or tells you more than a signal on an individual stock. Right, that's about that. Waffling away. Can't wait for this results season to be over. As I leave you, the inflation numbers out of the way. The market has been down 25 and up 19. We're currently down 5. Resources holding in there. Banks dipping a little bit. Fortescue Metals, Telstra, Woolworths all ex-dividend today. Down 2.82%, 2.8%, 2% and 2%. Lithium having a little bit of a comeback. Mineral Resources up 3.5% today. And that all about do you. You have a fabulous day. We'll be back tomorrow.